Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So we caught this article on the Boston Globe, Your Vote Won't Help Restore Abortion Rights, which is certainly a thought-provoking or provocative headline. It's written by uh, David Daly. He's a senior fellow at fairvote.org. He's also the author, in fact, he's been on the program before, uh, of the book Rat F to Why Your Vote Doesn't Count and Unrigged, How Americans Are Battling Back to Save Democracy, also the former editor-in-chief at Salon.com. Uh, you can tweet him at Dave Daily number three or at Fair Vote. Dave, welcome back to the program. Uh, tell us about why our vote won't help restore abortion rights. Thanks for having me back on, Tom. Um, the short answer is gerrymandering. What Justice Alito said in this draft opinion that uh, is presumed likely to become the new law of the land is that it was time to return abortion uh, to the political process in the states. The trouble is, as Justice Alito well and fully knows, uh, that the, the game has already been rigged by his side in the states. Republicans rule from the minority in places like Ohio and Florida, Texas, uh, North Carolina, Michigan, Wisconsin, where uh, it is all but impossible for even majorities of Democrats amounting to hundreds of thousands of voters um, to 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 change their elected representatives and and put the other side in power. So if you cannot, um, if these state legislatures are wired in such a way that one side has all of the power, even when the voters are on the other side, returning the process to to politics doesn't work. Yeah, so like in Florida, where Ron DeSantis won by 33,000 votes, uh, Donald Trump carried the state by only 51%, you note in your article here in the Boston Globe, and yet in their House of Representatives, the Florida House of Representatives, even though the state is about 50-50 in terms of, or 51-49 in terms of people voting for Democrats or voting for Republicans, they have uh, 78 Republicans and 39 Democrats, which is pretty mind-boggling. Republicans hold 65% of the state house. The same thing in Ohio, the same thing in Wisconsin, the same thing in Michigan, as you pointed out. So, number one, I'm assuming that, in part, this is something that could have been corrected by the Supreme Court long ago, but they chose not to? That's exactly right. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court effectively blessed the radical extreme partisan gerrymandering of our states, uh, you know, in a handful of decisions back in, in the last decade, especially in one uh, in 2019, in which they closed the the federal courts to to partisan gerrymandering claims. And what they said then was kind of hilarious. They said, well, if voters want to do something about gerrymandering, they can elect different people to draw these maps. And the entire problem here is that the maps are drawn by politicians to lock themselves in power and to keep the voters on the other side, even huge majorities of them. Um, and the polls on this issue haven't really budged in two decades. A majority of Americans want to see Roe versus Wade remain law. They do not want to see abortion rights 
overturned. This is the case in Florida. It's the case in Texas. It's the case in Alabama, in Oklahoma, in Ohio, in Georgia, in state after state where legislatures are moving to restrict reproductive rights. And in all of the states where they will jump on this uh, in the next several weeks, if this draft opinion becomes law, the polls are on the other side. Alito wants to turn it back to the political process, but that doesn't work when the game is rigged. Right. So, and and two two kind of issues come to mind. One is a number of blue states, a number of Democratic-controlled states, have basically unilaterally disarmed California, for example. And I know they're not the only one. Um, I'm guessing you've got this stuff right at the top of mind. Um, has nonpartisan commissions that draw districts that are you know, drawn along geographic and, and uh, demographic lines or, or population lines, basically. Um, so they're not, you know, taking into consideration the kinds of things that you do when you gerrymander, you know, uh, race or political affiliation or affluence or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, there are some folks who are saying you, sh you shouldn't do that. You should, you know, if the Republicans are going to gerrymander, you should gerrymander like crazy until you get, you know, enough of a, because we're, you know, the, the, the reason that everybody is saying that the Democrats are probably going to lose the House of Representatives this fall is because so many states now have so effectively gerrymandered. And when Democrats try, like in New York State, it gets struck down by a bunch of Democratic-appointed uh, Supreme Court justices, state Supreme Court justices. And when Republicans try in, in some states and it gets struck down, they just say, screw you, we're going to do it anyway. You're exactly right. We're watching this unfold right now in the state of Ohio, where Republicans have drawn a 13-2 to map that is... Uh, that has been rejected by the state Supreme Court now four times, and yet they are just persisting, and they have run out the clock so long that they're going to have the 2022 elections in Ohio for Congress on a map that has been declared unconstitutional. Republicans will likely win 13 of the 15 seats in a state that's probably 53-47 on a presidential breakdown, maybe 54-46. Um, and that could shift four or five congressional seats. The balance of power in Congress right now is only four or five congressional seats. So this unconstitutional map could make all the difference for the entire country. So you, I think you're exactly right when you say what Democrats have done here is not enough. Um, we have got to be thinking not just about how you fix partisan gerrymandering, which is a huge problem, but we have got to be thinking about the structure of the US Senate where it's right now 50 Democrats and 50 Republicans, even though 41 million more people nationally prefer Democratic candidates in 2020. Uh, by 2035, you are likely to have a U.S. Senate uh, that 70 percent of the population lives in 30 states and has 30 senators. So when you add the filibuster in, you are giving smaller, whiter, rural conservative states an effective veto power over everything. Right. That's then which you, is the whole point of it. <laughs> I mean, you know, exactly. let's, let's just be upfront about this. Um, so so uh, first of all, it seems to me that Democrats messaging sucks on this. Nobody <laughs> knows what gerrymander means. They need to stop referring to these things as gerrymanders and start calling them rigged elections. Amen. And 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 so uh, number one, number two, um, how, uh, you know, the Republicans got their rigged elections through a court-based strategy. They took case after case after case to the Supreme Court and packed the court as heavily as they could so mm -hmm. that they could be allowed to gerrymander. Um, There's there no mistake about it. And they also uh, just pull out all the stops and pour massive amounts of money into state after state in the elections in the years that, that end with zero or the year immediately thereafter where, where these maps are drawn. So what should Democrats be doing now? They need a long-term structural game to win back power in state legislatures. They need to be really focused on 2022 governor races in these gerrymandered states like Wisconsin and North Carolina and Pennsylvania, where that governor is the only thing that hangs between um, a majority of voters and extreme one-sided minority rule 
even in states that ordinarily tilt fairly blue. And I think it is time for us to be talking about what we're going to do to fix the United States Supreme Court, which has six conservative justices, five of them appointed by presidents that lost the popular vote and confirmed by a U.S. Senate that lacks any that represents uh, a minority of America to a majority. Um, And so um, we have to be talking about how we are going to balance and right size the federal uh, judiciary if we want to have any hope of remaining a country in which the majority rules. Yeah. So let's let's hope that uh, Democratic leadership is listening. I'm sure they're aware of this. Um, the tall order. Yeah, but uh, it is time to take names and kick ass and call Amen. this election rigging because that's what exactly what it is. David Daly, his uh, his article you can find over at the Boston Globe, Why Your Vote Doesn't... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. He's also the author of Rat Aft, Why Your Vote Doesn't Count and Unrigged, How Americans Are Battling Back to Save Democracy. Hang on, David. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And David Daly, three and fair vote over on Twitter. David, thank you for dropping by. Great talking with you. Always a pleasure. Anytime, Tom. Thank you. Back at you. Just a couple of quick stories I wanted to share with you. Republicans are criticizing the Biden administration about this uh, infant food shortage. They're not pointing out that when Reagan suspended enforcement of the Sherman Antitrust Act in 1983, and no president has reinstated it, that we went through a 20-year period of massive mergers and acquisitions. So we ended up with one company, Abbott Laboratories, making a good chunk of all the baby food in America under about a dozen different brand names. When their factory got contaminated with bacteria that has now killed two babies, they had to shut down production and guess what? We're out of baby food. The Republicans are saying the reason for this problem is that we're feeding refugee children baby food. Honest to God, I'm not making this up. This is Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted, the Biden administration has been sending pallets of baby formula for illegal mothers and their babies while American mothers and babies cannot find baby formula. This is completely unacceptable. This needs to end now. But not making this up. I mean, this is, here's another one. This is uh, Troy Nails, N-E-H-L-S, a Republican from Texas on Twitter. Baby formula should go to Americans before illegals. This should not have to be said. And of course, you know, Greg Abbott, one of the most bizarre politicians in America. I don't know how else to say it. The uh, governor of Texas. He accused the administration of, quote, giving critical supplies to illegal immigrants before the very people who Joe Biden took an oath to to serve. Right. None of these people are offering actual solutions. None of them. I mean, the obvious actual solution is to start breaking up some of these giant corporate monopolies. But no, they don't want to have anything to do with that. After all, it's the corporate monopolies that are paying their bills, that are sending them to five-star resorts, that are, that are giving them million-dollar-a-year jobs after they leave Congress, that are hiring their kids and their relatives. I mean, come on. Okay, number one. And number two, I wanted to share with you this mind-boggling story about uh, what's going on in Philadelphia. Uh, these two Republicans, Seamus O'Donnell, 27, and C.J. Parker, 24 years old, have been fired by the Republican Party. Now, I guarantee you, if they were Democrats, they'd be in prison right now, or at least in jail. But they were fired, and what were they fired for? Well, it sure looks like they were, uh, along with uh, Lawrence Tabas, a state party chair, Republican Party chair, um, they were going around to voters and uh, changing their voter registration address to a post office box that the county Republican Party has, so that the county Republican Party could vote these absentee ballots. And they weren't even telling most of these people that they were requesting absentee ballots in their names. This is, uh, Rebecca Sager is writing about this over at Daily Kos, the headline, GOP officials in Philadelphia ousted after ballot harvesting scheme uncovered. Many of the voters whose ballots, this is according to the Philadelphia Inquirer, the newspaper in Philadelphia. Many of the voters whose ballots were misdirected told the Inquirer they never applied to vote for ma- by mail. 
although dozens of Republican ballots for the May 17 primary had been redirected to the post office box registered to the Republican Registration Coalition. One out of every six Republican ballot applications from the ward where O'Donnell and Parker worked was listed as that post office box. This is not voter fraud. This is election fraud. Penn Live reports that the chairman of the Republican Registration Coalition and a one-time Republican ward leader, Billy Lanzialotti, 23, helped voters fill out ballot applications and put his own P.O. Box address on the forms where voters should have put their own home addresses. Lanzialotti claimed to Penn Live that this was, quote, a service to voters. How would you like to be served by the Republican Party? They will, they will help you out. They will put their address on your absentee ballot so they can fill out your ballot for you and mail it in. Isn't that sweet of the Republicans? He claims he filled out the forms, back to this article here, he claims he filled out the forms with his P.O. box so that later they could be delivered to voters by someone he trusted. I'm not making this up. Honest to goodness, this is what he said. He said, quote, there's been a number of problems with the post office lately. Right. Let's take that up with Mr. DeJoy. Amazing. I mean, it's just, it's, uh, amazing, in fact, is not a strong enough word. I think this is, uh, this is, this is even worse. And then on top of that, now uh, we've, we've got this story that uh, Reuters is reporting that uh, Erdogan, you know, the president of Turkey, the strongman leader of Turkey. Turkey is a member of NATO. It's not a member of the EU, but they are a member of NATO. And NATO, like the European Union and like the United Nations, operates by consensus. It's not majority rule. It's 100%. You have to have 100%. Everybody has to vote for something or it doesn't happen. And so Erdogan just came out this morning and said that he is not going to sign off on giving Sweden and Finland membership in, the, in NATO. Erdogan, of course, has been getting closer and closer and closer to Putin for the last few years. He's no longer running a democracy in Turkey. It's a, it's a, a dictatorship now. And has been ever since there was an attempted coup against him and he just clamped down and that was the end of democracy in Turkey. NATO has been around for 70 years. And if Turkey continues to say no, NATO's gonna have basically two choices. They could either kick out Turkey and then vote to allow Sweden and Finland in. Or they can just say to Sweden and Finland, sorry guys. Meanwhile, Russia just announced that as of midnight tomorrow night, they are cutting, or 1 a.m. tomorrow night, they are cutting off all their electricity to Finland. Russia supplies about 10% of Finland's electricity. So, you know, this is, this is getting hardcore, shall we say. So here we have uh, authoritarians loving authoritarians, Erdogan and Putin. And I think that's why he won't support Finland and Sweden. He's, he's saying the reason that Erdogan is giving for saying that he will not vote to allow Sweden and Finland to join the, in NATO is that those countries both have too many Nazis. Sound familiar? This was Putin's excuse for invading Ukraine, you'll recall. There's too many Nazis. Hey, Erdogan, you want to see some Nazis? <laughs> Come to the United States. I can introduce you to a few. Uh, this is just, you know, this is just uh, Erdo Erdogan sucking up to Putin. Just like Rand Paul yesterday stalled the United States Senate and, and refused to allow the Senate. One, one senator can do this. Refused to allow the United States Senate to vote on a, on a 30 or 40 billion dollar aid package to Ukraine that passed the House a couple days ago. It was supposed to pass the, the Senate yesterday, and those weapons were supposed to be on their way to the fighters in Ukraine today. They are not. The fighters in Ukraine do not have access to these American weapons today because of Rand Paul. Rand Paul, the guy that John McCain said works for Putin. So Erdogan, Rand Paul, um, 147, I believe it is, Republicans in the, in the uh, House and, and Senate who voted not to 
certify the election of Joe Biden. You've got a couple dozen Republicans now who are consistently in the House of Representatives voting not to send any aid to Ukraine because they are, along with Donald Trump, Donald Trump refuses to condemn Russia for this. They're just all in for Putin. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Authoritarians love authoritarians, whether it's Erdogan loving Putin or whether it's Rand Paul loving Putin. It's all the same thing. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Corky, what's on your mind today? Hello, Tom. Yeah. There's a lot of subjects, but the one I want to bring up, this is a Friday, right? Yeah. It's Ron Paul, and he took off, and they were supposed to vote on that $39 billion package. Yeah, Rand Paul Ukraine. blew it up. It's, it's been moved to next week. So, the, so the, in fact, the president of Ukraine, or, or one of the, no, it was an Ukrainian government official was tweeting about it this morning, about how the aid has been withheld because of Rand Paul. Yeah, how many kids are going to die between now and then? Uh, too many. Because you know, John McCain came out and said, you know, Rand Paul works for Vladimir Putin. He, he said it right on the floor of the Senate. And apparently it was absolutely true. Well, I got three things that really upset me. We got a crying kid on the Supreme Court uh, when that guy was being... Uh, You're talking Western. about Beerbong Brett? He started crying. Yeah. Just a grown man with two kids. Yeah. I can understand something emotional, but because you're you're having to be asked hard questions, right. you're going to cry. Yep. And then we got the the baby that was our last president. Uh, what did what did he, uh, my brothers have got to start to wake up and vote right? You got to vote these people out. Yeah. Yeah, that's really the only way to make it happen. Corky, spot on. Thank you very much. And, and thanks for pointing out what Rand Paul was up to. It's, 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 a, it's a crime against democracy, in my opinion. Carl in Fairland, Texas. Hey, Carl, what's on your mind today? Hey, I think they should be protesting outside of Mitch McConnell's house. Oh, that's a good point. He's the one who set this all up. He handpicked those people. He stole President Obama's Merrick Garland nomination. Yeah, I his, think they should be protesting out there because he's the one who picked these clowns. His wife is worth four hundred million dollars. I am, you know, Lane Chow. I am guessing, or at least her family is, you know, it has a family business that's that's that value. I'm guessing that he probably lives in a community where you can't get to his house. So, you know, Cindy it Sheehan and I back in the day were were went down to protest outside George W. Bush's house. This was when he was still president. Um, and bother his neighbors. Yes, and but we couldn't get into the neighborhood. Uh, you know, George W. Bush lives in a in a gated community, and we couldn't get in. So we were standing outside the gated community with a bullhorn. Um, I've got some pictures of it someplace, but uh, that that well, was it. So I'm guessing that that's probably the case with Mitch McConnell. But I don't know. I, you know, it's one more one more thing, if I may. Yes, sir. The, the governor of Texas recently has stated that don't worry about the rapist uh, portion of uh, the abortion bill because he's going to lock up all the rapists. Right, yeah. And then, and the, and then our, even our goof, just as goofy lieutenant governor looked at him with that look on his face like, that's the stupidest thing you've said today. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. uh, but then, I would think that he would be responsible yeah. for those unwanted pregnancies in the case of a rape if he's going to take that kind of stance. Right, let, let him raise the kids. 
I, I think that Tate Reeves over the weekend also said we're not, you know, I, I could be wrong, but it was one of the governors on one of the Sunday shows said uh, we're not going to uh, have a provision for rape because that's fewer than 1% of abortions and or, you know, or 1% of pregnancies or whatever. I forget what the number was. Actually, I'm not sure I knew or he knew, but. But, but that's uh, the worst kind of unwanted pregnancy I know, in I my know. mind. I can't, I just can't imagine it. I, you know, being assaulted and then having to carry the product of that assault for the rest of your life. It's just mind boggling. Carl, I got to run, but thank you for the call. Jan in Spokane, Washington. Hey, Jan, what's up? Um, yeah, I was calling up. First off, I let you know I had uh, an abortion in the late 80s. Yeah, you're my you know, one out of every four women. Yeah, well, my point is I also have two boys. Mm hmm. And I'd like to say we need to say how much it's going to affect those men that don't want children as well. What do you mean? <laughs> that are going to be stuck. They're going to be stuck paying child support, all oh. the other issues along with unwanted pregnancies and such. Yes. You know, um, I don't know if you remember, like growing up, I remember people saying, oh, how girls got pregnant to trap a man. Yeah. Well, now the government's going to trap them. So, <laughs> excellent point. Excellent point. It it is, uh, you know, the the man's role in this has been almost entirely excluded from the debate. And yeah, well, my oldest son was found in that situation too. They decided to keep it and eventually got married. But I also know, you know, when we were growing up, men boys getting stuck. Yeah. No. Yeah. And very often they would they would uh, try to pay for the abortion as Donald Trump tried to do with Marla Maples. He tried to pay for her abortion. Jan, thank you for the yeah. call. Nicholas in San Cristobal, New Mexico. Hey, Nicholas, what's on your mind today? I want to disagree with you a little bit, but mostly I think add to what you were suggesting about the GOP and Trump having set ourselves so much against each other side versus side. You know what I'm saying? Um, Charles Blow's article, which I assume you read, but you might not have, two days ago in the Times about the Supreme Court as an instrument of oppression. Yeah, I read it. It's not exactly. Historically, they have been, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he starts with Plessy versus Ferguson, he moves on to the Dred Scott decision, on and on it goes. So we have an institutional problem as well of distrust in this country from almost the incept of the very court. Right. There was just a, a, a poll done uh, finding that the support for the Supreme Court or admiration yeah. of the Supreme Court or whatever is now down to 23% of Americans. Yeah, it's an, almost an all-time low, I think. It is. Um, Michelle Goldberg, I think you were quoting an article just yesterday from her, but it might have been something else she wrote. One article was titled, If You Think We Hate Each Other Now, Just Wait. Yeah. Did you read that one? I did. We talked about it yesterday, or I talked about it. Yesterday. I thought that. I thought you were quoting that one. So there's that upcoming with states suing states, mm -hmm. and the whole distrust that that's going to sow in people, depending on which side, of course, of the argument you're on, in people in general. You've got the mainstream media who's been sowing distrust forever, you know, at, to their own advantage of making money, keeping eyes and ears glued to their channels, um, you know, even distrust in the constitutions and going on. So it isn't just Trump and the GOP is all I'm suggesting. We have a serious long list of, of uh, problems at hand with which we're going to have to deal if there's going to be any hope at all of resolving these issues, which I'm not terribly optimistic about, but I'm hopeful that something could happen, as I'm sure you are as well. I want you to run with this if you can at this time. To run with what? All of the thinking I just went through with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. It's a great list, Nicholas. Um, I, I, well, I agree that we, we have a whole collection of really serious issues that we're confronting. And frankly, some of them are going to be real challenges on the long term. Some of them are things that are probably going to be resolved or resolve themselves fairly short. But, Nicholas, thanks for the call. Eric in Fountain Valley, California. Hey, Eric, what's on your mind? I constantly think about the people who are above the law in our country and the lack of uh, any workable justice system. And, and I feel like white-collar crime, rich white people, and uh, all of their allies are essentially above the law. They're not prosecuted, um, starting with Donald Trump, starting with um, all of the uh, uh, you know, white-collar criminals who get away with things. And I think it's uh, eventually going to lead to a breakdown of law and order in our country because 
people observe this lack of uh, law enforcement on the leadership, and uh, they start to emulate it, and uh, they're uh, thinking, well, these guys are getting away with stuff. We don't have any law enforcement. I'm going to try to get away with stuff, too. I absolutely agree, Eric, and I think it's echoing uh, throughout the entire system. There was a, uh, a kind of outrage story that was bouncing around the Internet a couple of days ago about a young man in one of the Midwestern states, as I recall, who had raped, he was a teenager, he was like 18, and uh, 18 or 19, and he had raped three women, three young women. And he got a slap on the wrist and, and you know, was out again and and then and then got you know busted again for something else um for uh, assault i guess it was not not for sexual assault and and which brought you know to the fore you know how outrageous it was and it turned out he was a, a, the kid from a very very wealthy family and 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 white of course and you know we do have uh, you know a two-tier justice system in the united states one tier for for rich white people and another tier for everybody else, and 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 it, it, it's got to be, um, uh, it's got to be some you know one of the variables, one of the factors that influences people saying, yeah, I'm I'm going to loot this store during this time, or I'm going to I'm going to ignore the, this law or that particular law or whatever, because you know they're not enforcing the law against those folks over there, they're just trying to selectively enforce it against me, and that's wrong, and screw that. I mean, you know, words to that effect. I I totally get yeah. it. And I think that yeah, I, you, say, I think you're so right. I want to say say something about the Supreme Court, specifically Clarence Thomas. Yeah, he was quoted in that uh, comment. Everybody's talking about that they should be accepting the things that they can't change, or something like that. Right. And I think the behavior of Thomas and, and Alito, the way they act, makes it very clear that they understand that they are the dictators, and that we have to accept whatever it is they want to do, and whatever it is that they tell us that we have to do. Uh, there's no other explanation for their behavior. This is what conservatives do when they get power. They, they emulate petty tyrants because that's intrinsic to the, the conservative worldview, that, that there should be a strict father who's running everything and what he says goes, and it's always a he. And, and, and this is what we're seeing played out. Yeah, absolutely, Eric. I, I, you know, very well said. Thank you very much for that. Dan in Indianapolis. Hey, Dan, what's on your mind today? What we're seeing with the... Uh the right. Uh, I won't call them conservatives either. What they do, what their tactics been for, you know, 40 years of my life is to nitpick at every little corner they can. But we, I think people who are left-leaning need to kind of start being more resourceful with that. I think, for example, with the Roe versus Wade thing right here that we're looking at currently, how much funding put those kind of SCOTUSs in place, that put those kind of governors in place. And I'm not just talking about like the super PACs and the black money, but the U.S. Tax Code 501 that gives the church an exemption that has a rule in it that is not enforced, that if they become basically political advocates, they lose their tax exemption. Right. How many billions of dollars since 1908 have they been able to bypass that have gone directly into these causes to work against us. Yeah, I think it was... And I think I think we need to write into our representatives, and if you don't have a representative in your state, like me, uh, I live in a purely red state, where a guy convicted for... They're not convicted yet, he's sitting in jail for murder of his wife, confessed to, got a you know council seat as a Republican because there wasn't even a Democrat running against him. Right, right. It's, <laughs> right? it's bizarre. But it's... people need to write all representatives... Because you can write representatives that aren't specifically yours as well. And, yes. and for the people that actually care, because as we know, there's a lot of right-wing Democrats. And so that's a fairly useless game. But th there are plenty in there. there there's progressives. There's oh, the we, have to, we have to let them there's know. There's Bernie. Yeah, we yeah, have to we let do. them know. And, and, and demand, you're absolutely right. It was demand you know, that they enforce that. I, the estimates I've seen were that about $10 million was thrown into each of the Gorsuch, Barrett, and Beerbong confirmations. And that in previous confirmations, it was uh, amounts smaller than that, but it was millions of dollars that were spent by various right-wing groups. And and you're absolutely right. You know, the churches, yeah, and the churches and everything else. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Dan, thank you. Well said. Anne in Boston, Massachusetts. Hey, Anne, what's on your mind today? As a woman, can we sue the conservative Supreme Court justices in a class action suit? Is that something 
that could be a potential plan? You cannot. And, and the reason why is because of something called sovereign immunity. Sovereign immunity uh, says that you cannot sue a government official for actions that they take in the course of doing their job unless you can specifically prove that they did it knowing that it was illegal and they did it with malice directed against you personally. So, and even then, it's a really, really high bar to, or really hard membrane to penetrate, I guess would be the, you know, a better way to say it. Um, sovereign immunity is like a, a, a barrier that surrounds every, every federal official, every government official. So it wouldn't be possible, uh, man. All right. Well, thank you. We'll uh, keep hoping we defeat this. I'm sorry. Keep thinking. You. you know, maybe the next idea yeah. will be the one. And thank you very much. Cheryl in Snomish, Washington. Hey, Cheryl, thanks for watching us on Facebook Live. What's up? Hi, Tom. Uh, hey, piggybacking on what that caller just said, what happened to separation of church and state? Isn't that guaranteed to me in the Constitution? It uh, Technically, it is. It began being dissolved in the 1980s during the Reagan administration when they started bringing religious people into schools and, and, and basically stopped enforcing the IRS uh, regulations about, you know, religious people or churches involving themselves in politics. And it's been downhill ever right. since. So, oh, I know. So how then can these extreme religious rogue justices de make a decision on abortion when clearly they do not support it? And they don't support stare decisis either. I mean, it's beyond my comprehension to understand what they're doing when it's so blatantly clear that they're defying the Constitution and the separation of church and state. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a tough one, Cheryl, because what what Alito is basing his decision on is is his religion. It's a religious belief, you know, of when human life begins or when the soul inhabits the body or whatever. A fetus is not a baby. A fetus has the potential to be a baby. A zygote is not exactly. a baby. It has the potential to be a baby. Um, and, uh, you know, so th this question of when it becomes a baby, when it becomes a human life that has to be protected by law is a question that is, yes, it's a legal question because law is what's, you know, required to protect it. But it, it is also a religious question. And the, exactly. the mixing of those two and knowing where the barriers begin and end is, you know, is the challenge that the Supreme Court has, has historically tried to deal with. And, and I think that they're doing a very, very poor job here. But, but yeah, I, I am with you. This is, this is religion. Go ahead. Exactly. They need to recuse themselves. They aren't impartial here. Right. It's so clear to everyone. I just, it's beyond my comprehension, but thank you for putting up the fight. I'd love you to find more experts on the separation of church and state because it's guaranteed to me, right? This, I think, is one of the great dangers to our republic, Cheryl, is, is theocracy. Um, you know, back, exactly. back in the day, Jefferson identified three forms of tyranny. Um, there were the warlords, uh, you know, who were typically the kings, historically kings, who were willing to use violence. And, and, and there was, you know, there was the, the economic tyranny, the fiefdom, you know, the, the old uh, uh, system of peons, uh, what is it called, feudalism, and, and theocracy. You know, this, this whole idea that, that the church, you know, that, that somebody who says God told them what to do is the person that we should all be following. And I think theocracy is one of the, well, he thought theocracy was one of the major risks to the future of America. I, I realize it's unfashionable these days to quote uh, Jefferson, um, or worse, but uh, he was so spot on on that, it's, it's probably worth revisiting some of his writings on it because he was so outspoken about it. And uh, they, the founders were very, very, very worried about this. This was jo James Madison. He was the, the, our third president, our fourth president. One, two, three, four, yeah, fourth president. And, and his first veto in office was to veto a, an act of Congress that gave money to a church in Washington, D.C. to feed poor people. And, and he, he said, this is a government function. The federal government should be doing this, because it's a federal city. Uh, the, the government should be doing this, not a church. And I will not uh, sign legislation that gives money to a church to feed people, even though I agree that people need to be fed, because that is opening the door to church involving itself in the functions of the state. Um, his veto message is just so clear.
on that. And, and that was, what, uh, 18, 1815, I think that happened, 1816 maybe? I mean, it was, it's not like, you know, we have to, you know, think that there's a modern debate going on about this. This, you know, the founders were all very, and, and Madison was very much one of the founders. He was, he was the author of the Constitution, the godfather of the Constitution. And, and they knew what their intent was, and clearly the Supreme Court is not conforming with that. Cheryl, thank you for the call. The Linda in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hey, Linda, what's on your mind today? Uh, hey, Tom. Um, yeah, I want to make a few comments about our abortion struggle. So I think uh, maybe in the last hour you had a conversation with this guy who called in and he was saying how, you know, let democracy do whatever and that's going to solve the problem. And and you agree with him a little bit on something. And I just want to give you my take and most women um, that the right to an abortion cannot be legislated by states. It cannot be up to a vote of the majority versus the minority. You can't vote on what women can do with their bodies. And, you know, we don't have any other issue like this. And I just don't want to see this go to the states because, you know, it could change every year depending on who's in charge of it. And every woman in the United States, no matter where they live, should have the right to you know, easily accessible um, abortion and reproductive care, birth control, everything. And people should not be voting on it. And the Supreme Court certainly has no right to tell women what they can do with their own bodies. Um, The other thing I want to mention... Well, before you go to your other thing, Linda, let me respond to that, if I may. Um, Okay. uh, what, What should have happened in 1974, the year after Roe v. Wade, was Congress should have gotten together and said, okay, the Supreme Court has identified a privacy right here that protects the right to abortion. We are going to put that into law so it will never be a subject of dispute in the future. And ever since 1974, every single Congress, every two years has failed to do that. There have been attempts to do that, but every single Congress has failed to do that. And looking back now, we, we can see. So, so where I was agreeing with that conservative caller was that making law, even a law that protects rights, is the job of Congress. And, and yeah. it absolutely is. And they, and they have failed to do their job and they have let down the women of America. They, fr- frankly, they've let down everybody in America in doing that. Yeah. And, and, and you know, there's going to be a vote in the United States Senate tomorrow. And I think it's going to be real interesting. Chuck Schumer is going to put this law that has already passed the House of Representatives that establishes this right or that clarifies this right um, you know, to a vote. But the larger issue that I, where I thought you were going with this, and I think maybe you, you, this, this is what you're saying, Linda, is that we shouldn't be voting on rights at all. Rights are rights. You don't sit around and say, oh, we're gonna have a, a, a debate and then a vote on whether we're gonna have free speech in America. But the problem is that you know, it, that's how it happens anyway. It's just, you know, because... Well, I mean, people shouldn't be voting on what people do inside their body. I yeah. mean, that's just atrocious. And for I agree. a woman... And I just want to make one other point real quick. Um, I also feel like when we talk about this crisis and emergency that we're having about abortion... We really need to go heavy on it and not talk so much about other privacy rights that are possibly going to be taken away, too, because... I think they're all one package, Linda, and you need gay allies as well. listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. The LGBTQ community is, this is, they're in the crosshairs of this as well. Let's build alliances. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes 
into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. John, in Mexico, you, it says here you disagree with me, so you go to the front of the line. What's on your mind, John? First, a little bit of good radio, because I just want to tell all your listeners, the way to get on your show is to disagree with you. You do put those people to the front of the line. Everybody knows that. <laughs> whether, whether, whether you and I ever agree, I, I'm pretty sure if we were next-door neighbors, we'd have a great time hanging out. But we do not agree about anything except that your team is great. They make you so much better than you are. Okay. But here's the thing. You stood up as loudly as possible telling people they should not protest at school boards. Actually, you didn't say they shouldn't. You just said they were crazy for doing it. They were going hyperbolic or whatever. If we went back to your 10th grade government class and we talked about the three branches of government, we talk about the judiciary, right? They don't make policy. They evaluate what the legislation is. I agree with you. That's the whole point of it. I know. Protesting at the Supreme Court is ridiculous. It, protesting at their houses is even more ridiculous. John, this is, the, this is the third time, to the best of my knowledge, and maybe you're aware of another one, but, but this is the third time in the history of the United States that the Supreme Court has taken away a right. With Dred Scott in, in 1857, the Supreme Court took away the right of black people in free states to remain free. In 1896, with Plessy versus Ferguson, the Supreme Court took away the right of freed black people all across the United States as a consequence of the Civil War and 13, 14, and 15th Amendments, took away their right to live in an integrated society. Those were both reversed. The, you know, Dred Scott was reversed by the Civil War. Plessy was reversed by Brown v. Board in 1954. To the best of my knowledge, this is the only the third time in history that the Supreme Court has taken away a right that people have taken for granted for gener literally for generations. How is that not a political act? No, no, no. Okay. No, you, you make a great point. They never should have had the position to take or give a right. That is the responsibility. I agree with you. Of I agree with you. The branch. We're not, asking the, we're not asking the court. They messed up. They messed up when it was wrote. Even Ruth Brader Ginsburg said that it wasn't a well-decided issue. You're right. The point is we don't need to argue at the Supreme Court whether or not it should be a political decided decision. It needs to be Chuck Schumer. It needs to be all the other people in Congress. That's where this needs to go. Stop going to the Supreme Court justices' house and try to intimidate them. We don't want them doing that. You wouldn't want it on the Second Amendment. Yeah. You wouldn't want it on the First of Amendment. You don't want it, it. You want them to actually just look at is it or is it not constitutionally legal? And everything else the legislature does can be decided that way. If we keep going to the Supreme Court justices' house, nothing good is going to come from it, no matter which side of this argument you're on. And we need to tamp down that fight or it's going to get ugly and it's going to demoralize the country no matter what happens. John, your points are well taken. And I could easily debate that people should be protesting in front of the court or the homes of the court members or that they shouldn't. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, You're right. I'm pretty ambivalent about that. And I agree with you. And in fact, in my book, The Hidden History of the Supreme Court, there's an entire chapter 
about how the court never should have done Roe v. Wade the way they did it. It should have been done by legislation. And by the way, in 1973, you had uh, nearly a dozen states that had already legalized abortion. It was a national trend. And that Supreme Court decision put an absolute halt to that national trend. And, and, and you know, it's an example of the court legislating from the bench that probably shouldn't have happened. On the other hand, had they not done that decision in 1973, uh, but instead we had waited for states to go along, uh, you know, with legalizing abortion, by this, you know, it might have taken 10 or 20 years before Mississippi got around to it, and how many women would have died? So, you know, it's like balancing you know, competing goods and competing evils. It's a very difficult thing. I, again, I think both of us could probably argue either side of that, of, of Roe. But the fact of the matter is they did it. They did it 50 years ago, 49 years ago. And it has been an accepted right. It has been understood as a right by women in this country and by family, by, by people in this family for 50 years. And the Supreme Court got up on their high horse and said, we're going to take this away. You're absolutely right. All right that we need to have a law. Thing. We need, we you're absolutely need up, to have a law. But you're getting up on your high horse saying I, the same thing. That's what I do for and you know what we ought to do? We ought to do. We ought to tell the Supreme Court, hey, get off your high horse. Let us all go back to democracy which is closer to the state or city, and let's all decide there and figure it out. We're going to get a whole lot closer to zero and make I, it I would right be a lot more comfortable that with that, way. John. I would be a lot more comfortable with that if I knew that the majority actually ruled in these states. Yeah. You've got no, Wisconsin, Michigan, North Carolina. More than 50% of the people in all three of those states voted for Democrats in the last elections. And, 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 and it's not just those three states, as you know, Pennsylvania. Um, and so you at, at the state level, at yeah, governor, but don't don't start don't start arguing, you know, pass, go and collect two hundred dollars. They didn't I'm, make the rules. The rules are where they are. We don't want to say we don't want the Senate actually the Supreme Court made the rules. The Supreme Court said the that these these kind of gerrymanders are OK. I know, but that's my point. Sixty-eight percent of the population lives so in the maybe, maybe the these protests. We don't want that no, my to point be is the way we have the entire country. You can't. You we can't. Well, that's the rule. You, you can't say just leave it to democracy when the democracy has been rigged in part by the Supreme Court, allowing these well, outrageous gerrymanders where the will that, of the majority is not put into law. So what I'm saying is, as a consequence of that, you have to push me. everywhere you can push, which includes you're, at the at the homes of the Supreme you, Court justices. You you don't like the winning of the rule. You don't like the winning of the game based on the rules as they are. Don't complain about the rules. Don't complain about the ref. Make your argument. Win the day. That's the problem. We keep trying to say, well, we don't like this outcome. Therefore, we're going to do it differently. No, the Supreme Court does what they do gerrymandering and all the other aspects of it, you know, the incumbency issues that we have, those are the rules that we have. We have to win inside the game as it's played. I agree. Stop and and, and hopefully we game. will this, uh, hopefully we will this fall, John. I think, uh, I think hey, it's, uh, Tom, the title you know is coming. You and I do not agree about anything. I love HelloFresh. I like my dog Dynavite. You're the man. I enjoy getting to listen to you. Thanks for being out there. And your team's awesome. Okay. Thanks a lot, John. Good talking to you. Uh, Jerry in Kissimmee, Florida. Hey, Jerry, what's on your mind? Yes, Tom. I wanted to comment on that uh, gentleman who just called about rigging things. Mm -hmm. But um, I really called you to talk about DeSantis and what you spoke about earlier. Mm-hmm. And that was, as an African-American, I always look at life through a black lens. I have no choice. I, told, I always tell people I was born black. I'm going to die black in America. And what DeSantis has done, I read that headline this morning here in Florida. What he's saying is it's okay to teach and mandate on a specific day that teachers, and I used to be an educator in New York City, you have to teach the evils of a certain type of a system. You have to teach that the leaders of the system, be it Mao, be it uh, Stalin, who was evil, by the way, who did Castro. bad things. Yeah. Right, Castro. And these people were so bad, you can mandate that. It happened tens of thousands of miles away from Florida. But in this country, American history, black history is American history. If a student asks a question, why couldn't black people play baseball before Jackie Robinson? And the teacher answers, not only is that, is that racist, because you have to say blacks weren't allowed because whites would not allow them, 
that teacher can be sued and lose his or her job. You're right. You're so right. it's mandated. It is bizarre. What happened? Right. It's mandated that you got to teach what happened thousands of miles away in other countries. But our history, which affected our citizens here in this country, a teacher can't even blurt it out because that's wrong. Yeah. And it shows the hypocrisy about the, the gentleman who just called. He talks about rules and he talks about let's just, let's just go by what it is. Again, I could look at Florida. So if we go by what it is, why do we have a white racist DeSantis taking away the representation of black people in this state that we won't even have representation on the federal level when he's deliberately doing that? And this is, by the way, a, a governor who won an election by 33,000 votes, um, and, and Republicans have purged, I guarantee you, more than 33,000 voters off the voting rolls. We know that George W. Bush, uh, Jeb Bush you know, purged 90,000 African Americans off the voting rolls in 2000. Um, it, it, and again, another thing that the Supreme Court authorized, when Ohio wanted to do this, they wanted to do caging back in 2018. The Supreme Court's, and it got, you know, the, the lawsuit, Mark Elias' lawsuit went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, yeah, it's cool. Republicans can do that. They want to go by the rules that they, as you pointed out, they rigged the rules. Right, And exactly. they, then they want to say, oh, it's too bad. You just have to go by the outcome. Yeah. Because they rigged it to get the outcome that they want. And then they want to laugh in your face and say, too bad. They're yeah. a disgrace. Yep, totally get it. Jerry, thank you. Uh, spot on. And, and thank you for highlighting that. I, I, you know, I would have done better to have incorporated that into my original rant about DeSantis wanting to teach about communism. I was pretty focused on my uh, suspicion that this is going to lead to the same kind of economics education that, that uh, right-wingers have been pushing on colleges all over the place. But uh, putting it in the context of history is brilliant. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And huge. I mean, in Florida, teachers can be fired for teaching actual American history, but they're being forced to teach Cuban history? Really? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Lowell in Salem, Oregon. Hey, Lowell, what's on your mind today? The New York Times reported last week that two Texas Dallas officers were charged with firing those uh, smoke grenades into people's faces and blinded one person. Uh, and blindings occurred across the nation, you know, especially in Minneapolis. Um, was this during the George I Floyd believe, protests, you mean? Yes. But our problem is the police are in, increasingly acting like an occupying army in this country. And they're being trained, as, as Amnesty International show, showed, by uh, by actual Israeli, Nazis uh, trainers. Oh no, I'm sorry. Well, no, by Israeli trainers. Okay. Uh, and 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 the problem is, being an occupying force leads to additional cruelty like this, where they intentionally fire these forty are they forty millimeter smoke grenades into I, people's faces. Yeah, I don't know, but I know that there's there's a kid here in um, in in Portland, his name is Donovan, I'm forgetting his last name, um, who was hit in the forehead with one of these things, and he's now permanently brain damaged. I mean, his, exactly. his life is and, gone, and, and he was a kid. I mean, he was like 20. And, uh, and, and we need to change police uh, training and uh, explicitly ban this type of activity. I agree, and, and, and I think that Hollywood needs to get the message, too. Uh, Louise and I have been watching this uh, FBI series, you know, on TV. Just, I mean, every night for an hour, we watch something that's kind of brain-dead entertainment. And these guys are using no-knock warrants every single time they go looking for anybody for anything. I mean, they're, they're just blatantly violating the Constitution left and right. 
and uh, I, I'm, I'm yelling at my TV like you can't do that. You've got to go to a judge, you know, <laughs> or you've got to announce your presence. This is, you know, and and and, and I remember we the same thing when we watched the the new version of Hawaii Five O, and the guy brings people into the basement of the of the police station in, in Honolulu and, and shoots a guy in the knee to get him to confess. And I'm like. How is this? How are we? Because this is training American police, right? And it's and, and, and it's and it's causing Americans to think, oh, well, that's normal. And it's not normal. I'm with you, Lowell. I'm with you. Thank you very much. There was also a piece a couple days ago about how some Nazis were doing training police as well. Malcolm in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. Hey, Malcolm, what's on your mind today? Yes, Tom, real quick. You keep saying the media, the media, but you leave out what Les Moonves said when he said he may not be good for America, but he's great for CBS. Keep it up, Donald. Right. So as long as they're continuing to make a profit, that's literally all they care about. And my, my second point that I wanted to get in real quick is that you mentioned something a few days ago that kind of stuck in, ter in terms of uh, Joe Biden not wanting to go after other branches of government. And that's kind of largely a part of the problem because Donald Trump has set so many uh, cancerous tumors in every single branch. For one example, you have the FBI, which stepped to the side and aided and abetted in Brett Kavanaugh, making it onto the Supreme Court justice bench by not interviewing all the witnesses yep. and limiting the scope of the investigation. And then when questioned by, I believe it was the Senate, or in some hearing where they said maybe we should think about defunding the FBI or cutting some of the funding, they were voicing issues with every time they lean, Democrats, every time they lean on the FBI for information, it gets, like, essentially not answered. But then Republicans on the other side of the aisle get their, their issues met. It's expedited. And one last thing, this same Department of Justice, not sure if you're aware of it, but about two months ago, they ended a six-year-long investigation into Tamir Rice, that shooting. It took him six years hmm. to look at, uh, you know, that few seconds of footage and read the officer's report because there, there arguably wasn't any other witnesses there. But six years to clear the officers of what we already knew was going to happen in Cleveland. Yeah. So I can't really hold my breath on this same Department of Justice. I mean, it'll probably be a century or a couple decades before they actually release what they want on Teflon Don. Yeah. Donald Trump. Sadly, That's all time. have a great day. Yeah, thank you, Malcolm. Sadly, I think you may well be right. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, Lewis in New York City. Hey, Lewis, what's on your mind today? Uh, uh, good afternoon, Mr. Mr. Tom. Here's, here's the thing. Uh, I think you we have to start attacking the backbone of the Republican Party beside those ignorant white males. Most of these women, they have gained handsomely from our progressive measures. They then turn around, look look how many of them running Republicans. They then turn around and give all the power right back to them. It's like we, we're moving uh, garbage out of our homes and there's someone in the backyard putting you right back in. Yeah. And until we expose these women for what they're doing, it's, it's not just like uh, as easy as it looks. Oh, don't worry. The women will come around. BS, because the media always worry about what So hang, hang on just a second here, Lewis. The, the women you're speaking of are who? Well, some of these white women who turn around and give the powers right back to Republicans. So, the, so you're talking That's about white women who are fighting. voting for Republican candidates? Uh, of course, we would have no Republican Party. Without, there's not enough white, ignorant white male around with their yeah. anger. Marsha Blackburn is kind of the, the poster that, child for that. Of course. Look, look who, look who uh, so many of them has become Republicans over the years. In other words, they're not being grateful for their own hard-made efforts. Well, I don't, th I don't think grace is, is required on anybody's part. But, uh, Lewis, uh, and, and I would I would add that you, there's plenty of men who are voting to to bring Republicans back into office. But I, I, I think I get your point that, you know, don't they understand about bodily autonomy? Seriously, if you can't control your body, what do you have control of? You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. If the state can step in and say, we are going to regulate with the power of police and jail cells the, a biological process in your body, what's left? Donna in Bonnie Lake, Washington. Hey, Donna, what's on your mind today? So I'm connecting the high price of houses and climate change 
Um, I'm an older gay woman that never had kids, so I was looking for a gay community where we all help each other. Um, and last year we bought an acre outside of Santa Fe in New Mexico, and then at the end of the year, and thanks to you and your show, too, um, I'm thinking, I don't think I want to be in the high desert with climate change, mm. um, you know, just getting worse quicker than the scientists um, were thinking. So we sold it, and then we found a gay community in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and we're going to move from um, Bonnie Lake to North Carolina. Huh. Um, but And it's beautiful there. It is. It truly is. Hills. Yeah. Yeah. And there's but, a lot of good people you know, there. You know, they've got, it's actually a majority Democratic state. And there's a local Democratic organization I definitely will be, um, you know, becoming a member of, yeah. as I am out here as well. Yeah. Right. So, um, so what prompted your call? But, um, well, just the fact that people don't, don't understand climate change and how quickly mm. people, you know, they don't want to think about it. But then also the fact that our house has gone up 100% since we moved in here in 13, and that means higher taxes. And my wife is retiring this year, so we're looking at our new finances and whatnot. Mm. And so, of course, North Carolina is less expensive there. But, um, you know, between the two of them, I, I tell people I'm glad I'm old. <laughs> um, climate change is scary, and, and I just don't think enough people are alarmed yeah. about it. I, I agree. And, so. and, and it's, a, it's a real two-edged sword, too, Donna, because if, if and, and I, I really learned this when uh, Leonardo and I did this movie in Last Hours, it's called. You can go over to YouTube and plug in uh, my name or DiCaprio's name in Last Hours and it'll come up. And, you know, it's about catastrophism. It's, it's about the end of the world. And people just don't want to hear that. People get freaked out by that. But it is, it's, exactly. it's real. And it's, exactly. and, it, and it's aimed right at us. Donna, thank you for the call. And, and uh, great yeah. to hear from you. And, and I, I wish you the very best. I hope you have a, a wonderful move. North Carolina is just an absolutely beautiful state. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same channel. In the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. And that includes you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. Be good to yourself and the people around you. And say a prayer for peace in the world, huh? We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.